Welcome to In the Green Room. I'm Kinga. And I'm Chet. And I'm Ken. Ken's and basically here. a full-time co-host at this point. <laughs> yes. We, lo- we love his... Uh... I just live here and they come to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> we love his... See, he always has a good joke on hand and uh, he's witty. And welcome Mitch. Mitch Ewan. Aloha, y'all. A good Texas Hawaiian hello. <laughs> oh, you're calling from Texas right now? No, I'm calling from Hawaii, but I oh, okay. live part-time in Texas, so I've oh, got to okay. get them both put together, so I <laughs> carry both constituencies. Aloha there, partner. Okay. So, Mitch, we might need you, I was thinking about it, we might need you to be a little bit louder for the, the iPad. Yeah, okay. Is this better? I think so. Yeah, I think it's better. Good. Yes, it sounds great. Okay, so okay. every day is Earth Day. What do you think about that, everybody? Every day is Earth Day. Well, it just, one day. I love that our show, we have a lot of different themes, but they all have to do with making the world a better place. Um, and sustainability was kind of the cornerstone theme. We've kind of branched out since then. So I love when we have shows that are coming back to sustainability and uh, how you can reduce your carbon footprint. And it's really good to talk about future technologies, like the stuff that Mitch is working on with hydrogen. Um, we got to talk to you a little bit about the future of hydrogen power last time you called in, correct? Oh, yes, that's right. We thought um, April 22nd of this year was World Earth Day, the 52nd episode of it, I guess, and it struck us that uh, why is there only one Earth Day? Well, like I'm saying, every day is Earth Day, and that's what the show's about, that, you know, it's, it's great to have a day that you celebrate you know, special Earth Day, but every day we need to be thinking about our planet. And and can you give us some tips, Mitch? Well, let's introduce them first. Yes. Have them introduce okay, uh, okay, thank you. Thank oh, yeah, wait, thank Ken's you, right. Ken. You should introduce yourself A formal uh, for any first-time listeners or anything that don't already know you. Yes. Well, before they forget the tip, the tip is go hydrogen. <laughs> and it's the infrastructure, stupid. I mean, that's what we have to get in place. So anyway, my history is I'm a Canadian. In fact, I'm going to be an American on May 9th. My citizenship has finally come through after 35 years. Ooh, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thank you very much. So, yes, I served in uh, the Canadian Navy. I'm a graduate of the Royal Military College of Canada. That's like uh, West Point or Annapolis. We're such a small country. We're all combined in one college. So we had Air Force guys, Army guys, you know, Pongos. And, uh, of course, the best were the Navy guys. Of course. Um, and so I served in submarines for about 15 years, uh, both uh, in, obviously in the Canadian Navy, and then they shipped me off to England to serve in the Royal Navy, and then they shipped me off to the U.S. to serve with the United States Navy as the NATO submarine war plans officer. I guess I was unpopular at home because they kept on sending me out of the country. So anyway, <laughs> I, I commanded the three submarines, and my last job, I commanded a destroyer. My last day in the Navy was when I turned over command to the guy who relieved me. And then I got out. When I got out, I said, well, what's next? And I said, roll the drum. The next big thing has got to be clean energy. And so I was introduced to fuel cells and hydrogen. And that was my wow moment. My wow moment is when I saw this hydrogen uh, fuel cell sitting on a, a workbench with just hydrogen and oxygen going in it. And somebody hit a switch, and they had these 10 aircraft landing lights on the room, on the roof, uh, and the ceiling. And there was no noise at all. And all of a sudden, these 10 aircraft landing lights beamed on and almost burned me to a crisp on the spot. 
And that was truly a wow moment. And I said, this is the future, and this is what I have to be working in. And that was about 35 years ago. So uh, ever since, uh, even through different kind of economic times, I've been focused on hydrogen. Uh, we built the world's first PEM fuel cell-powered car. Well, my team can you dumb that down? 1989-ish, called the Green Car. You'll love that oh, name. Oh, yeah. Green hydrogen, green car. And then I came to Hawaii about 20 years ago. I built two hydrogen stations, one at the Marine Corps base, and that we just opened our our last, our most current one uh, last month on the Big Island on the Kona side, right beside the airport. And we fueled our first hydrogen bus. It's the first public bus in Hawaii. Wow. First That's such a big deal. In Hawaii. And it was the first fill. And the incredible thing is after 12 years, when we pushed the button, it all worked. <laughs> That's so awesome. So, anyway. so uh, how long do you think it's going to take before uh, like buses like that will be mass produced so that it'll be something in every city? Um, do you think what the timeline is going to be like that before hydrogen technology is more widespread? Well, uh, right now, uh, hydrogen is really taking off. Um, every city practically has a hydrogen bus program, and uh, mm. they're getting very close to mass production now. And as soon as they do, the prices of the cost of buses and fuel cells will fall dramatically. For example, General Motors has opened up a mega plant in November in Ohio. And uh, they said the cost of their fuel cells would be dropping by about 80 or 90 percent. Wow. So uh, that's the kind of order wow. of magnitude. Um, you make right. uh, hydrogen with electrolyzers. Uh, the big, a big uh, electrolyzer company called NEL, uh, originally out of Norway, they just opened up their giga plant, and the cost of the electrolyzer is going to drop about 40 percent, they figure. Our so personal... we're just about there, and and really, mm. you know, all the automobile OEMs are making hydrogen vehicles, whether they're buses, cars, garbage oh, okay. trucks, you name it, you can buy it. What we need is infrastructure, like where do I fuel it? So yeah, here exactly. I am in Hawaii having built the world's first fuel cell-powered car, and I don't have one. I'm not driving one because there's no place to fuel it. But as soon as we get these fueling stations stood up, then people will buy them, and when people buy, then the OEMs will sell more, and the cost of the vehicles will go down. Everything will go down once uh, they once it kicks off. And what we're are right, the right uh, what are the advantages of hydrogen fuel as opposed to electric? Say, uh, the, well, the two or three uh, major advantages. First of all, uh, it's very convenient to fuel. You can refuel your car. I'll, I'll, I'll use the car analogy. In um, about five minutes, uh, so we call that a fast fill. Wow! Um, yeah, you very cool. you can minutes. refuel the bus in about fifteen minutes. So, with one dispenser, wow. in a normal six-hour period, I can fuel twenty-two buses. Whereas, if I had a battery electric bus, I'd have to have twenty-two chargers, one per bus, and it would take literally all night to re to recharge those uh, recharge those buses. Like Plus, they're really home, heavy. Yeah. Those batteries weigh a couple of tons. And the mm -hmm. whole thing in the automobiles is to take the weight out of the vehicle right. um, so that you don't have to use as much energy to push it around the road. So just think about it. Your bus is carrying around two tons of battery all the time. <laughs> Whereas 
you know, the fuel cell system weighs, you know, about a third or, or a tenth of that. So, Mitch, are wow. you saying that you think that hydrogen is way better than uh, electric cars? I think uh, initially there is a place for cars. Uh, if you don't have to drive very far, like you only have to go 30 or 40 miles, and if you have the infrastructure to charge them, that's great. But, you know, the question is what happens when you have millions of electric cars the grid can't supply that. So basically, you're going to have to rebuild your grids. You know, for example, a Tesla takes about uh, five uh, kilowatts of power to charge. That's like two houses. So oh, every no. time you plug a car in, you're, you've got like two houses of extra load on your grid. It's no. not designed for that. As it is, uh, our, all our grids are, have, haven't been invested in over years and years and years so they're pretty fragile pretty very brittle and uh, so what that means is they'll have to put in new wires and then that's going to cost a lot of money and then the cost of your electricity is going to go up because somebody's got to pay for it and it's going to be you so whereas with hydrogen you uh, can control the cost of the hydrogen because you know you're not hooked up to the grid you can go out for a hydrogen supply contract and anybody with cheap electricity, like if you have a farm or a ranch with, and you put wind turbines on it or you put PV, you can get your electricity for one or two cents a kilowatt hour. And, uh, you know, when you're producing your hydrogen, it's about like a tenth of what a gallon of gasoline would cost. Hmm. So, so, yeah, so over time, um, we will evolve to pretty well a hydrogen economy. So, Mitch, you're so, calling so in from what, Hawaii. Uh, if somebody's just starting to listen, uh, this, this show will We're talking about hydrogen fuel cells. Um, so one question right. that I have, what are any weaknesses or challenges facing, like, the growth of hydrogen technology right now? Um, like, basically, what are the obstacles that are keeping it from being in every household right now? Good question. Besides, like, the fossil fuel industry trying to push it out, I'm sure. Uh, actually, I've talked to some of my friends in the fossil fuel industry, and they're converting their mindset over to we're energy companies, and if the people want hydrogen, they'll do it. But it's like I said, I started off with my diatribe. It's like it's the infrastructure. As soon as the infrastructure is in place and it's reliable, and you have a good supply of hydrogen, then people will switch over. Hey, Mitch, you so, have a gas Porsche, I know. <laughs> Right. Yeah, we'll have my gas guzzling for well, That's what he's talking about. He needs, we need the infrastructure of fueling fuel, uh, my yeah. hydrogen, a and, hydrogen and, car. Right and you now. promise when I come to Hawaii that I get to drive it. <laughs> right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> so then what I'll take steps, out extra insurance. <laughs> what steps are going to be taken then to move us closer to that infrastructure then? Is it going to be people investing in the companies that <laughs> Uh, are pushing hydrogen technologies, or yeah, I think you got to get the well, politicians that, in line. That's, that's a great what question, with and it. I have a hopefully I have a great answer. It's like we have this farmer here in Hawaii who says, "Farmers farm when farmers make money," and uh, right now we're relying <laughs> on government support, so it's the taxpayer mm-hmm. that's paying for all this at the moment, and that's why I'm focused on public transportation for for a start. It allows everybody, no matter what your economic situation is, to ride on the bus and experience hydrogen to find out what it's all about. That is really smart. Was that your idea, Mitch? Yeah, except for, you know, uh, for vehicles, you're more catering to rich guys with their toys. You you know, the high-end guys who can afford uh, that kind of a car. uh, You mean like a Taycan? (laughs) Yeah. 
it's much fairer, more uh, social justice to, to uh, invest in your public transportation system. And uh, so that's what I'm focused on, and I'm getting very good Cheers. traction here in Cheers. Hawaii on that. Well, and that's really sustainable because you're trying to make the product so it can be used by the greatest number of people, not just trying to, like you were saying, sell little supercars to really rich guys. So that's very sustainable yeah. that you're basically trying to give the technology back to the people so that everybody can benefit from it. Um, well, the other thing, the other thing is buses use a lot of hydrogen. So the faster we can build up the demand for hydrogen, the quicker we can transition away from taxpayer dollars to private dollars. Once, once the private industry sees they can make money at it, uh, they'll jump in. Now there may be some early adopters, but you know, they can't wait five years and have let their money, you know, just sit there for five years. So the sooner we can build up the demand for hydrogen, by using heavy-duty vehicles like buses that use a lot of hydrogen, the better, and that gives them the incentive to, to get into business and, and we can transition over from government to the private sector. Okay, so do we have buses in Arizona that are hydrogen? I think you do, but I can't tell you where. I think Arizona Public Services or, uh, oh, I, I think there are some in Arizona, but I can't. I can't tell you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> here's one. Mitch, do the re research because I want to know. I want to ride that hydrogen bus and do like a, a Instagram or Facebook live. Can you do the research and find out where it is? Well, it's also a good reason to go to Hawaii once, uh, or go check out the hydrogen bus that's already running in Hawaii. Is it in Oahu or what island? Big island. It's, it's on the Big Island. Very and cool. And we'll have three three buses there. I've got one already running, and we'll have there's two more. Uh, coming down the line, and we'll be ready soon. That's very exciting. So we'll have three is buses there. there. Uh, Mitch, is there any pollution associated with uh, hydrogen cell technology? Uh, the pollution surrounding hydrogen depends on your source of electricity. Okay. So, for example, I have a little bit of pollution with my hydrogen because I'm actually using grid power. And during the day when the sun's shining and everything's kicking, uh, I mean, we're about 83% renewable. It drops down to about 50% at night when the sun's not shining. So, yeah, so, you know, uh, the other 50% at night is made up of uh, fossil fuels and, and to generate the electricity, and, of course, that, that creates uh, pollution. So the quicker we can convert over to 100% renewable energy, the better. And uh, this is just a start. But if you can get... Uh, renewable energy for the power source it's pollution free process right exactly the only emission is pure water okay wow. so this might be a question you haven't heard before but is there a future with hydrogen powered air travel because oh. i know that um jet fuel in the high or the pollution from jet fuel mm -hmm. in the higher levels of the atmosphere is very bad for the environment very bad for the ozone layer mm -hmm. so it'd be so transformative for the environment if there were hydrogen fuel operated planes flying not spreading that jet fuel in those highest layers of the atmosphere good point but and electric airplanes are well they're generally too heavy and yeah. they're very short distance and but the lighter weight of the hydrogen uh fuel uh cell might alleviate some of that weight well aren't you know. working on that blimp mitch well, let me answer the question. First yeah. of all, okay. Airbus okay. is planning to come out with they have three models of uh, hydrogen-fueled aircraft that they're uh, testing now. 
And uh, I think about two or three years from now, they're going to have the first prototypes flying. And plus, there's at least two or three other companies that are looking at uh, commuter aircraft, uh, which mm-hmm. have uh, a combination of uh, either batteries or fuel cell uh, running at electric motors to drive the, uh, the propulsion system. And as um, Kinga said, uh, I'm working on a, a airship. I don't like calling it a blimp. That sounds so rude. <laughs> <laughs> sounds a little fashion. I'm working on an airship project uh, out of California. It's, uh, gonna, it's called H2 Clipper. You can see it on h2clipper.com. I mean, it's not built yet. Uh, but it's going to be 1,000 feet long, 200 feet in diameter. A blimp. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, airship. airship does sound airship, cooler. Airship, airship. Yeah. It's an airship. Airship, airship. And uh, it has a payload of about 150 tons, and it'll be powered by uh, lifting gas will be provided by the hydrogen, so the hydrogen will actually lift it instead of helium. And the propulsion system will be using fuel cells, about 25 megawatts, and it'll go about, I think, about 100, I said 175 miles an hour. So it's meant to be a cargo aircraft, not a passenger mm-hmm. aircraft. And so, yeah, I've been involved with that since 2012, and it's really starting, pardon the pun, taking off. <laughs> pun accepted. <laughs> that was really good. Okay, so are you looking for investors for that? Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's work so, on um, We need to have a so meeting the, about the that. The other advantage of it is you need an airport to operate it. So it's vertical lift. So you can go door to door. I mean, say you have a factory in uh, in uh, Ohio and you got you got to deliver goods to L.A. You can just go to the factory and pick it up and vertically lift yourself and go over to the other factory door. So it's factory to fa- uh, factory door to door. And so you don't have to go through all the different modes of uh, transportation. And one, I was talking to one friend of mine who's in a, a quite a large company, and he asked if I could get to China from Detroit. I said, yes, we can. I said, well, why? He says, well, we have a lot of very intricate parts that we order. And as soon as they land in the port in L.A., then we have to truck it all the way across oh. the country over these horrible roads. And it just shakes them up so much that, uh, you know, they get a lot of uh, damage. And so, of course, we have an absolutely smooth drive, and we don't have to go through the port. We're not hung up. And so it's much more efficient. What altitude in fact, do they we're fly at? 75% cheaper than an air cargo, like uh, like a UPS or a uh, um, um, a, a, a cargo aircraft. What altitude do they uh, fly at? Um. The um, lower is better because of buoyancy, because the air is obviously thicker mm-hmm. when it's uh, at sea level. So, uh, and the, out of we'd like most to fly of the this over the ocean, it's say a couple of thousand feet. And but out of the way of most, a lot higher, go up to 10,000 10, okay. 10, feet. But still substantially over, lower than commercial aircraft. So, so Mitch, uh, we are drinking this uh, wine that's called uh, a sheep. <laughs> In sheep's clothing. In sheep's clothing. And uh, oh. so I want the theme of the show to be, don't be a sheep, let's be a lion. And, and right. take initiative like you are. I mean, all that you're doing to save the planet, and we're, you know, it's just incredible. I, I just, uh, it's admirable. 
Yeah, the exact. Well, thank the, you. I, I was wondering what you guys were drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Kool Aid. Kool Aid. The future of hydrogen power is really exciting because um, you know you hear so much bad news about. Uh, global warming and all that kind of stuff, but the future of hydrogen technology is really exciting. Like, all these different technologies are going to eliminate so much pollution, and it's a, kind of a good news, good feel story. You know, I feel good knowing about that these technologies are Doesn't you know a decade away from being on the market. That's awesome, and we're here saving the planet one, one show, show at, at a time. time. Well, it's important to raise awareness about technologies like that, so people are looking for them. Um, yeah. So we need to do a monthly show with Mitch, and we need to <laughs> occasionally come to the studio in Hawaii. Yeah, we'll come to the there Hawaiian studio. No, very soon. There's going to be a In the Green Room Hawaii trip, and Dominic will have to book his calendar, too. Uh, Dominic, if you have any questions for Mitch, please just come over here and just ask her over there. You know, he, uh, He's our audio engineer. We appreciate him so much. He does such One good One question work. I have is, uh, yes. I know... Hawaii's kind of ahead of the curve with investing in renewable energy. Um, what other states are also investing in hydrogen power and fuel cells technology? Well, well uh, California has been a leader in this uh, right from the get-go. Really? You know, above, you have, above Hawaii? Uh, California's investing in, in uh, hydrogen infrastructure. They're building, trying to build... Uh, Start out for the 100 stations. I think they're up to 55 or 60 hydrogen stations right now. But they want to, They recently increased that mm. to 200 stations. So certainly uh, California is a leader, and they've always been a leader in this technology. Uh, other states, um, there's a, you know, there's more regional than, I mean, California is almost like a country unto its own. Uh, actually, Arizona had a really good uh, hydrogen program with uh, Arizona Public Services, mm. Uh, way back when I started uh, in the hydrogen game, uh, they had a very good program going. I'm not quite sure where it is right now. I uh, haven't kept track of that. Uh, New York is jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, uh, Florida and some uh, some of the other uh, uh, states out there. Uh, Texas actually is developing a hydrogen program. In fact, it's it's really kind of, I'll use that word phrase again, taking off. Uh, just about everybody's <laughs> got a hydrogen plant, and, and, and most countries now have a hydrogen plant. And the thing is, they're allocating billions, that's with a B, of dollars to um, implement those plans. I mean, it's great to have a plan. I mean, I wrote a plan 10 years ago for the state of Hawaii, and nothing really got done except my mm-hmm. pro- pro- project we talked about. And a lot of but people, You mean the buses? You know, Wait, I thought you did the well, buses. I'll write the plan, and then it sits on the shelf for 10 years, and nobody. The thing is, it's the funding. Like, write the plan and then execute it, and you have to allocate the funds to do it. Mm. Does uh, climate affect the function of a uh, hydrogen cell? I mean, if you're generating water as the end product and it's 30 below in Minnesota, how does that work? Mm. Well, actually, uh, hydrogen fuel cells uh, work down to minus 30, minus 40 degrees uh, uh, Fahrenheit, so great for Canada. Uh, where you see it a little bit is uh, batteries don't do as well because when they get cold, they're not very efficient. And so uh, in the cold weather, you also have to heat the cabin. And that's a huge drain on a battery. Uh, fuel cell is much better. and it's produce, It is producing its own heat as well, which can be used. So uh, in cold climates, then in the hot climates, then you want to have air conditioning. So you've got the same problem. You've got to run your air conditioning. Um, the 
real advantage, a, a great advantage here in Hawaii for the fuel cells is like they have anti-idling laws where you're not allowed to just park your bus while you're pit waiting to pick up passengers. Right. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Mitch. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. T repeat you that. You have to turn People your engine off, idle? then your bus gets hot and everybody's <laughs> uncomfortable, whereas you don't have to do that with a fuel cell because you're not making, A, you're not making any noise and because it's all electric drive and um, you can keep the cabin cool. And so my driver, the drivers who were training uh, last week love it. Yeah. So, Mitch, I love that you, you touched on that because uh, when I would pick my kids up for school, here in Arizona, it's really hot. And during this, the hot months, everybody's idling. And, and my kids went to a private uh, Catholic school and they had this system where you, every, all the parents came at the same time to pick up the kids. And you'd wait idling your car for 30 minutes to get your kid. And yeah. it's ridiculous. And my, uh, my sister, I have a sister that lived in Sweden for 15 years and that would not be allowed. She's like, turn off your engine. She didn't. She didn't care how hot it was. And I was like, well, it can't be. I'm too hot. <laughs> but you know, there has to be something better than that. That's ridiculous to sit there and idle a car for 30 minutes. What do you think? I think you could never be too hot, Kinga. But <laughs> <laughs> people don't know that. Yeah, that's why you think you, about it. It's a total waste of. Uh, he and I have been friends for 10 years because he's very funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Wait, people don't know that I've seen you lecture. I've seen you lecture all over. I mean, remember we were in D.C., uh, Texas. Uh, we have our mutual friend, Trammell Crow, our billionaire friend, Trammell Crow, which, by the way, um, is he doing anything with this hydrogen? Uh, he knows about it, and uh, I'm not quite sure what he's doing. But anyway, I saw you lecture in Hawaii. Uh, anyway, just right. you're ubiquitous. <laughs> where did uh, where did Texas come in in your uh, path? Oh yeah, well I uh, I had to uh, move uh, to make money to support the family at one stage of my career. So I, I I was offered a job in Texas in Houston, which I from a actually the guy who offered me the job was the uh, president of the company that um, built that first fuel cell powered car. So. Oh. Uh, so one day the phone rang. I was living in uh, Montreal in, in the cold, and he said, what do you think about coming to Texas? And I said, sounds good to me, Jerry. I'm on the plane. <laughs> well, there it was. What's the temperature there? Uh, in Texas, it can go up to, it's kind of like Phoenix. It can go up to like 113, 115 degrees. Here in Hawaii, it's usually never gets above 90, really. M Mitch and, commutes uh, between Texas and Hawaii. He, he, yeah. Yes. So outside I commute, of I commute. Uh, outside of hydrogen fuel cell technology, are there any other exciting new technologies that we should know about related to uh, generating power or vehicles or anything like anything that? Anything that's sustainable, like, like don't you have that toilet invention that's like for the poverty-stricken areas? What, yeah, what? the University of Hawaii developed this anaerobic digestion technology, which can reduce the cost of treating wastewater by about 50% and reduces the amount of sludge by 90%. Wow. So, for example, uh, we've applied it, a friend of mine's applied that to make some uh, uh, what we call uh, portable toilets, but they're not like porta potties, but they're like uh, like a whole rack of them in a shipping container. Because we have a homeless population, so they've got a I'll call it a camp or a site for them on uh, one of our uh, 
uh, suburbs of Honolulu. They have about 90 people there. And the, uh, the, the state was uh, spending, or the, the city was spending $35,000 a, a month with regular porta potties. And mm-hmm. when they put these in, it reduced their costs down to $5,000 a month. And they're really beautiful. And uh, they have showers and everything, and and uh, the, the uh, homeless people loved it. Uh, they said, "Well, that's wow, nice. We want to help the great. homeless. That's uh, sad. They're very hard on stuff, though. So it's been a really good test. But they've been this thing's been up for about four years now, and now uh, he's starting to get orders from uh, from the government for other sites. And and was uh, that your invention, or was that a collaboration? It was uh, one of our researchers at the University of Hawaii. And, okay. Uh, uh, Dennis, my friend Dennis. Uh, oh, I met Dennis. Uh, yes, I know Dennis. Applied, yeah, you met him. I know Dennis. It, He's sweet. Uh, to this uh, for this application. Well, that's so that's, huge... uh, that's one. And another friend of mine has developed a really awesome uh, air conditioning system. In fact, he won some major award about two weeks ago for it. Um, it can produce uh, air conditioning about ninety. I think. 70 or 80 percent of the cost of what it costs right now it's not a product yet it'll come out in about two more years but he uh, won this major international award for the technology and uh and so that's the next big thing because of course the world's getting hotter and so we're going to all want more air conditioning so the more we can save on the electricity part the better um so um the name of the company is blue frontier and they're out of uh, West Palm Beach, uh, Florida. I got to tell you a story about that. So uh, we d- we built this car that I was telling you about in West Palm Beach, Florida. We had this beautiful uh, you know, set of offices and workshops. And uh, so I went to visit my friend uh, Danielle, and guess what? They were actually in our offices. <laughs> you know? So what That's a wild. coincidence that was. So and a lot of the guys that were working for him used to work for me. Oh, really? So it was like wow. it was like old home week. Yeah. So anyway, uh, fantastic uh, technology. Mitch, um, how many I've Mitches? To air conditioning companies here in Hawaii, and uh, they just were kind of blown away by it. So. Mitch, how many uh, Mitches are there out there? What in your industry? What how many um, minds like yours are there, and where are they? Are they worldwide or? Well, I uh, there's lots there's lots of innovative people out there. Well, like um, our friend, our mutual friend Hank Rogers, he's doing he's done what has he done for Hawaii and their sustainability? Hank Rogers. Yeah, well, Hank Rogers. First of all, a little bit of background. He has uh, he got the worldwide rights to to uh, Tetris. And uh, so that made him a fairly wealthy guy. And so what he wanted to do was also uh, get the world off fossil fuels. So he formed an organization called Blue Planet. And he's got several Blue Planet subsets, Blue Planet Foundation, Blue uh, Blue Planet R&D. And uh, so he took his ranch totally off of... uh, uh, fossil fuels. In fact, he had the electric company uh, take the power wait, is, lines. Wait, out. that's the one on big on and the Big Island that I got a tour of. On the Big Island, yeah, yeah he does uh, you all were sorts there. Of okay. Great creative things. He's got a guy uh, Paul Pontio who works for him, and uh, they're developing all these great systems, uh, uh, bat- including batteries. Wait, how, how big is that ranch? Is that like a hundred acres? Uh, that ranch is about 38 acres. Uh, 38. Um, it felt like it was so huge. But, okay. uh, he has another one, Huli Huli, that's, that's about 135 acres. Yeah. So these so, are the people yeah, I hang so, out so with. So Hank's really <laughs> putting his money where his mouth is, and and uh, he's, his foundation is uh, is creating policies 
that uh, are taking the uh, the state off of fossil fuels. In fact, they were the leaders behind uh, uh, a policy to um, have Hawaii hundred uh, percent fossil free by 2045. And I think we were the first in the nation to go that way. Uh, I didn't think they'd ever pass it, but they did. And that's uh, totally uh, Hank Rogers um, leadership has, has got that. And Hank done. Rogers and also, is so cool. Oh, hold on. You can hear how I met him. I met him in Colorado when he and his wife were smoking pot after hours after that R day summit. No, you don't say that. Oh yeah. He's, he's totally <laughs> open about it. I mean, he's a burning man guy. Um, yeah, very fun. No, no, he's totally open. It's all good. Mitch? So anyway, sorry, what? Mitch? <laughs> yes, I'm here. So, yeah, he's a great guy, and I know he's a good friend of yours, and you guys are doing a lot of collaboration, which is, you guys are just saving the planet, and, you know, that's what we're about, saving the planet. One, One show, show at, at a time. time. One thing I heard about that uh, bill that passed in Hawaii to go totally fossil f- uh, fuel free by 2045. I heard that they weren't planning on taking people's gasoline powered cars. I heard that they were just planning on offsetting carbon emissions and taxing them. Cause I heard, you know, a lot of people that love their cars and, uh, you know, really feel strongly about cars were all up in arms. Like, Oh, they're not going to take our cars or whatever. But I heard that, uh, the government said, no, we're not going to be taking people's cars. It's just going to be taxed, and then that tax will be offsetting the carbon usage of that gas-powered car. So I heard it's like effectively mm. going to be fossil fuel-free, but people that love your cars, don't freak out. You'll still be able to drive a gas no, no. car. <laughs> it'll, take, it'll take a long way to phase it out. So we, we had one of the first carbon taxes in the country, uh, they imposed a barrel tax. So for every barrel of oil that's imported into uh, Hawaii, it's about a dollar fifteen, and that money was supposed to go to uh, support renewable energy projects and getting us mm. off uh, fossil fuels. So instead uh, of a subsidy, which we that have good, uh, basically, you know how politicians are. So they took sixty percent of that to put in the general fund, where you know it was justifiable at the time because I, I think it was at eighty. Um, 2008, when every you know when the economy really went in the tank, but of course, now that we're economy is better, they never gave the money back. So it's kind of a little bit of a bait and switch. But we still get uh, 40 percent of it, and in fact, uh, some of that money went to pay for my hydrogen station uh, that I built on the Big Island, and also some of it went to pay for that first bus I was bragging about earlier. <laughs> on the and wait, didn't you do some building on Hank's property? Didn't wasn't wasn't Hank generous to let you do some some of your studies or your building on his property? Yeah, you did something in, on his property. Uh, we, we put in some PV. We what we mm-hmm. did is we we tested seven different types of uh, PV technology uh, on his ranch. And uh, when I lost uh, my uh, my first site, uh, he uh, he allowed us to go and, and set it up there and didn't charge us anything for installing it. So yeah, he's been a great friend of H and E I. So we're very. Uh, and, appreciative and, and, of all he's done. And what I what I want to pump about or, or really promote about Hank Rogers is you can be somebody that has has done has been very successful with extreme wealth, but then he's he, he enjoys his life, but he does so much to give back. I mean, everything he's doing is yeah. there to save the planet, and that's so cool. Like there are other things I know he's done to make Hawaii more sustainable. Uh, can you tell me about tell the show about that? 
Well, uh, what he's done is he's uh, he's formed a, uh, for example, some of the R&D was on batteries. And so we have a lithium ferrophosphate battery technology that was developed by Hydro-Quebec. And so Paul Pontio, who you met, built a prototype of that. And what they've done is they've transitioned that over to a business. So A, they've made a money-making business out of it. And, and secondly, it's a safe technology. You can actually uh, recycle 99% of a, of a ferrophosphate battery. So it doesn't end up in the landfill mm-hmm. with uh, bad stuff like cobalt and all this other stuff. And so they, when, um, when uh, I forget the name of the, the hurricane, but the one that flattened uh, Puerto Rico, they immediately deployed to Puerto Rico and brought their batteries with them so they could get schools and hospitals up and running. And uh, A, That's it was huge. a good deed, and B, it was good for their business and really helped them get going. So those are the kinds of things he does. Um, and really, I uh, think he's an out-of-the-box thinker, and uh, he's he's a very generous guy. So, uh, Mitch, in your experience, uh, what uh, if you could guesstimate for us, what percentage of funding comes from public sources as opposed to private sources? That's a good question. I would say that uh, from our point of view, um, almost 100% of our funding comes from public sources, whether it's from uh, this barrel tax I talked to you about, whether it's uh, the state of Hawaii has set up a $10 million hydrogen fund. That was all state money. And, uh, And then we have a lot of, we get a lot of, uh, federal money from the Department of Energy and also from the Office of Naval Research. So those are what we've been using to fund so far. But there's a new program in place that's unique to Hawaii, and I hope uh, other uh, uh, states that pick up on it. It's called Transportation Services Contracting. And what it means is a public-private partnership. So a mm-hmm. private entity that manages a lot of money, like a pension fund, comes in. And so, example, if I want to buy make a leapfrog and buy 35 buses. They buy the buses, they maintain them, they buy the fuel for them, everything to keep those wheels rolling. And they're, uh, they get paid on the basis of how many miles are put on that bus. And, um, and so it, it's not, and the bus does not belong to the county or, or to the government, it belongs to the entity itself. And so uh, the other thing that happened is they put a half a percent excise tax. Uh, they raised the half a percent. That gener- on the big island, it generates about $50 million a year, but it's earmarked for public transportation. And so that's how they can pay for it. So the, the private entity gets a 10-year recurring revenue guaranteed contract and uh, with a return on investment. And the county is able to leapfrog immediately because they have the capital to buy the, the uh, buses and the infrastructure and they pay for it using this half a percent excise tax. So it's a really great program. Uh, and so we have all the templates, the RFP, and we have the contract templates which are available. Um, and um, so what can I say? I think it, it's working well. Um, and uh, one of the other things is they have a 10-year contract. So I can come in after the fact with a work order and say, I want 10 more buses. And they just add that to the number of buses they, they, uh, they're providing and, and maybe they adjust it. And the other neat thing is that because they retain ownership, um, statistically, the county 
only uses its rolling stock, its its uh, cars and trucks, uh, 33% of the time. The rest of the time it's sitting there. So that's taxpayers' dollars just sitting there doing nothing and no benefit to the taxpayer. So what with this system, because the private entity continues ownership of the vehicles, they can rent those vehicles out when the county's not using them. So, for example, if I need a dump truck, I never would need a dump truck, but say I need well, a may, dump may, truck. Maybe you would, needed, maybe you would, man. Or, or I needed a bus for after-school sports or something like that. I could rent it from the private entity. And so it does a couple of things. First of all, it, it's the you know taxpayers get the benefit of their investment. Secondly, it reduces the uh, better uh, return on investment for the private entity. And, uh, of course, um, the, uh, the taxpayers get to use the equipment if it's not being used by the county. So everybody wins on that deal. And particularly for hydrogen vehicles, the more we use them, the better. Because remember I said right at the start of the show that we need to build up the demand for hydrogen to convert the whole system from the public sector over to the private sector. So that keeps, keeps hydrogen flowing, which I like. For a typical bus, what kind of uh, mileage does a bus get with a hydrogen cell uh, before needing to be re- refueled? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, for this first bus, we put a, a, a thousand miles on it before we shifted over the Big Island, and um, we got uh, three hundred miles out of it on one on uh, basically hmm. like twenty gallons of gasoline equivalent, hmm. um, which was. Uh, 50% more than it was supposed to. I, I upgraded the fuel cell system to get the most modern fuel cell. And uh, so it's obviously much higher efficiency than we thought it was going to be. So uh, so that's kind of the order of magnitude. And, and that's for a, like a 21-passenger uh, bus. It's like a cutaway, like a large shuttle bus. Mitch, do you take the bus? Mitch, do you take the bus? Mitch, do you take the bus or do you yes. only drive your Porsche? Say again. Do you, well, do you take the bus or do you only drive your Porsche? Uh, right now, I only drive my Porsche because I <laughs> live and work on the on Oahu and the bus is on the big island. I know, you're so right I, on the water. You send me pictures all the time of that beach, right on the water. <laughs> Waikiki. It's tough, but somebody's got to live here. Yeah. <laughs> One question I have is uh, it would seem to be so efficient to make like the uh, railway system uh, transferred over to hydrogen power system like locomotives Mm. because that's still a massive uh Mm -hmm. transportation route for products and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and it would be easy to centralize the uh refueling stations obviously on train tracks Mm. um like why isn't there a push to try to push like amtrak or uh one of those like big train companies over to hydrogen fuel sources because uh, everybody knows that locomotives dur- burn like really dirty fossil fuels. That's a so. great question. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Great question. So there, uh, there, there actually are trains in Europe now running on hydrogen. Really? Um, what countries? Absolutely. There's about what countries? What four countries? Five different train uh, companies, uh, locomotive companies that are running uh, train uh, their trains, and I think it's starting to come in here to the U.S. The U.S. is a little bit slower on the uptake. Mitch, 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 um, what, what countries yeah. are in Europe? Uh, Germany and France, and I'm not, I don't think England's there quite there yet. But Germany and uh, France, certainly, okay. certainly Germany and uh, France have got uh, hydrogen locomotives. So we have to go to France immediately. 
Well, after yeah, Hawaii. wine over there too. Yeah, we're going to come see you. you. guys are drinking right now. So we've covered <laughs> airships, airships, trains, and automobiles. Are there any hydrogen uh, powered boats or oh. cruise ships or anything like that in the works? Just because it sounds yes. like there needs to be. Yeah, the first. Oh, sorry. I was just saying they need to be. There needs to be. The gas pedal needs to be down on every industry switching over to hydrogen because the sooner it happens, the sooner pollution gets stopped. And, you know, it's just great net positive benefit. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So the first hydrogen ferry boat uh, started operations, I think, a month ago in San Francisco. Wow. So that's the <laughs> first one I know of here in the U.S. Wow, I think, how cool. Uh, the nor- the Cheers to that. Well, it sounds like um, we have a little in the green room hydrogen fuel cell trip planned. We need to go visit the bus <laughs> in Hawaii. Yeah. And we need to go visit yep. the ferry boat in San Francisco. San Francisco. I mean, I guess passenger boat. Ferry, people might think ferry boat is something else in San Francisco. <laughs> but, uh, well, it is light. <laughs> There goes another segment. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, and then and then I've heard that there's a, a major cruise ship being built in uh, Germany. I think is, is in the shipyard now. It's intended to be uh, fueled by hydrogen. So yeah, it's coming there as well. Uh, I've also heard that for the auxiliary uh, engines on some of these big ships, like when they're in port, they want to switch over to hydrogen so that they're not making, uh, you know. Uh, diesel fumes and the noise when they're when they're in port and there's also what they call cold ironing that's like shoreside power they're converting that over to hydrogen and then in the uh, in the cargo ports like in uh long beach um what they call drayage trucks you know they pick up the shipping containers and they move them uh, maybe up to 100 miles away they're all being converted over to hydrogen as are the uh, a material handling equipment, those great big forklifts that raise these 40-foot shipping containers, they're all being converted over to hydrogen because the ports are a major source of pollution. Also, it's a uh, social justice because a lot of the lower economic groups are live near the ports and these uh, trains and trucks go through their neighborhoods and give off a lot of ex- you know, diesel exhaust. So so I have, a, I have a question that I think is important. Uh Obviously, we all want to save the planet, but a lot of these people that want to make money, are they making more money with the hydrogen? Uh, I would say that they're not making money yet. We're still, remember I said, we're, we're still relying ma- mainly on uh, government and taxpayer funding. But, uh, you know, as we transition over, we're getting much closer. Like I said, for example, um uh, companies like General Motors have just finished building a, a mega plant for their fuel cells. Uh, electrolyzer companies have built a mega uh, mega plant now for their electrolyzers. Uh, people like Samsung uh, or uh, Hyundai are huge into it. Um, they've built uh, large plants now, so all the price, the, the costs are coming down. I mean, these, mm. all these it's a very simple system to build. You can use robotics. Um, and, and so you just take the labor component out. It's just economies of scale are now starting to kick in. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not making a profit yet, but the fact that it's more efficient and then also brings costs down mean that it's going to be very competitive once it enters the market. So it's going to make somebody a ton of money. It's just a matter of it getting to the market 
with that infrastructure like you were saying. But I think it's a matter of time because such an efficient product, and nowadays every day there's more and more people who are part of the green movement and hate pollution, hate yeah. seeing the world get you know, polluted. And so hydrogen fuel cells are going to take off once they hit the market. Because every day is Earth Day. Every right? day is Earth Day. Every day is Earth Day. We all got to care every day. Not not one day of the year. Think about it. Say, think about it uh, Mitch, day. are there uh, companies involved in this industry that are uh, public, selling uh, stock, for example, that uh, individuals can invest in? Uh, yes, question. there are. Um, uh, some of them that come to mind are Ballard Power Systems out of Canada. They've been a public company for at least 30 years. Uh, and then there's uh, Cummins uh, Diesels. They just bought a uh, hydrogen company. Uh, they're, I think Cummins is a publicly traded company. I'm not 100% sure of that. Um, but uh, General Motors, of course, uh, Hyundai, um, all the uh, major OEMs things, yeah. are investing in hydrogen big time, Toyota. So, yeah, there's, there are companies out there. Uh, doing, uh, so, so Ken, in. I think, wants to invest. What should he invest in? <laughs> I can't tell you that because I'm not a uh, registered security. <laughs> uh, and we're also bound by insider trading laws, too. So we have Which one is more pretty minute. smart with the non-answer there. Yeah. Like, I, can uh, just, oh, yeah. I can just tell you that I have shares in Plug Power, but I'm not recommending it. I just <laughs> happen to buy those myself. So we have one more minute left. Uh, Mitch, what is your advice to wow. the world on saving the planet? Build hydrogen infrastructure. There you go. That's my message. And all my PowerPoint, pres- all my presentations now, I say it's infrastructure stupid. That's Build that's the infrastructure and the public will come. will come. That's it. Chet, what's your last advice as well? Um, I would say it's important to vote with your dollar. Try mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. buy and support products and invest in companies that are moving towards these technologies of the future. Um, yeah, that's the main thing I would say. And Ken? I think hydrogen, the industry, needs uh, PR support. The politicians are going to be key in this. If you want infrastructure built, you got to get politicians involved. We need to get Elon Musk talking about it some more. uh, 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 Mitch, are you friends with Elon Elon Musk? Can you set us up? No, but he he said he he, uh, doesn't like... He called them fool cells. F-O-L-L cells. Eight seven six. We have we have ten seconds. Why? Because they're a threat to Tesla. Yeah. Yes. Okay. To be to be continued. Saving the the planet one show at a time. Thank you, Mitch. And remember, it's the infrastructure.